0: Hey everybody, welcome back to the Luck-It-All Podcast. This is your host, Elias Rush. This podcast is sponsored by EliasRushMedia.com. Photo, video, digital media production. Today we are discussing The Legend of Korra Season 2. The second book. Book 2, Spirits. Book 1 was Air. Uh, same guys, Michael, Brian... Both same uh, animators. Uh, this focuses way more on the spiritual concepts and themes than its preceding season, which focused way more on the uh, the elemental side and learning uh, of the elements and kind of ing- ingratiating you into the Legend of Korra world. So, um, yeah, here's the premise real quick. This is, um, let me see... This is going to talk uh, about the premise, non-spoiler a little bit for people that are like, should I jump into Legend of Korra Season 2? It's like, if you're already in Legend of Korra and you've gone through all of the Avatar shows, it's like, why not just keep on going? I mean, at this point... I've completed season two in a non-spoiler section. I can safely say it's okay. On the other side, I know season two kind of gets ridiculed a little bit as kind of not as the the most. Uh, I don't know if it's the ridicule as the most ex- unexciting season, but it's not. It's got the sequelitis. It's like they don't know what to do with these characters, kind of thing. It's like, oh wow, we had such a fucking banger of a first season. Like, oh shit, we didn't even know we had to had to do a follow up to that. So, um, yeah, when it, when it came down to it. Uh, the premise of Season 2 with it focusing on uh, kind of the d- division of all of our favorite characters that had just come together at the, the end of Season 1, it, it you can very much feel that. Uh, Stranger Things kind of did the same thing. When you bring all of your favorite characters through a season and at the very end, all you want them to do is continue their own thing, but they split up. That's what happens a lot in Season 2. Uh, here's the premise. In a world in which some people can... Uh, telekinetically control one of the four classical elements the avatar is the only individual who can bend all four elements and is responsible for maintaining balance in the world this season focuses on avatar Korra coming to terms with her role as the lazy on between humans in the mystical spiritual world Book two takes place six months after book one, and its narrative is divided between Republic City, the primary setting of the first season, and other locations, such as the Spirit World in the South Pole, home of the, so- the Southern Water Tribe. Kor's uncle Una- Unaloc, the chief of the northern water tribe seizes control of the southern water tribe as a part of a scheme to free Vatu. Mm. I'm trying to make sure that I'm not spoiling anything. Um, Sorry. Seizes control of the southern water tribe as a scheme to free Vatu, an ancient dark spirit. The narrative follows Korra's friends efforts to win the support of the southern tribe in republic city and chorus quest to foil unalak's plans and learn about Spirits a two-part episode entitled beginning delves into the history of the avatars lineage, which I think Absolutely is worth the time and effort that I go you're going through this season um, It tells the story of Juan, the young man who became the first avatar as a result of his attempts to maintain peace and balance between material and spiritual worlds and atone for empowering the dark spirit Vatu. And so, uh, yeah, we have new characters, obviously in this, uh, season, one of them being, uh, Aubrey Plaza. I was like, Holy Santa Claus. I was like, I cannot believe that, uh, she's in this. And Lisa Ed- Edelstein, uh, as Kaya, who, um, is uh, Tenzin's older sister, I believe, which happens to be Aang's daughter, first daughter, I guess, Kaya. She's a waterbender. And then we have Eska, who is the nephew of. Um, hold on. The nephew of. uh, it, it, She's cousins with Korra, I believe, actually. And uh, Toe Rock? Who the fuck is Toe Rock? Um, I don't see Toe Rock in this. So maybe a Tone Rock? I um, I don't know. I'll figure out who the fuck that is. See, this is what Google's for. You just instantly. Oh, the father. Okay, so he was the father. James Remar was uh, Avatar Korra's father. So, with saying all that, is there a episode breakdown? Okay, so. With saying all that, season two of The Legend of Korra, yes, it does slow it down. We're not in Republic City. Uh, We're in a new location. We're dealing with the spirits. And so the concept of the spirit is probably the biggest problem for me personally in this entire season two. Now, there's always been this spiritual connection with uh, the avatars and the avatar world. Absolutely no problem with that. As a matter of fact, I would encourage it because it makes more sense having balance with everything, you know? Or harmonic balance. Uh, The thing is, with these actual spirits, it's like they don't have any physical form, really. They're just kind of like these entities and like ghostly things. It's like so how do you even fight these things and so when they're in the spirit world like the 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 element bending doesn't even work and so when they're even trying to fight these things when the two when ultimately these spirits come to the real world it feels like they're not tangible enough in a way that previous seasons of avatar have felt they have all felt in a way grounded now grounded as in like uh, you know what it would feel like to get slapped with some water or a fireball to the face to a, an extent you know it, it'd be hot it'd be you know it would hurt to get hit with uh, a rock to the face it would hurt to get uh you know stabbed with sharp uh elemental objects and stuff like that if you get blown away you know what it feels like to have a big gust of wind at you it's very tangible and understandable and uh, organic in a way that we we as a, a viewer are like yeah that would fucking hurt, um, but when it came down to the spirit world and they're fighting these spirits throughout this season it's just like the entire thing just kind of falls apart because it feels like nothing's happening you're just throwing elements at nothing and they they feel like nothing characters in a way like the 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 Amon character in the first season was such uh. uh a foe that it came down to like, I was like, wow, that was a really good um, antagonist. you know, we cared about him from an emotional level. Ang had like some sort of attachment to him. There was tons of uh, uh, backstory that really held this together as in Cora fighting her uncle for the power of being the last avatar. It's just like, wait, what? It just felt like, and then, and then, and then, and then, and then. And, it, it, and when you keep saying, and then in stories, it just kind of, it's like, all right. All right. So what even makes sense anymore? You know, it, it by the end of this season, I had major gripes just with the power sets. And that's pretty much what happened throughout the entire series of just season two. It just felt like they were as little powerful or as powerful as they needed to be and you can kind of make that ultimate statement throughout a lot of avatar but I felt like it was especially point poignant at uh this point being on the legend of core I was just like in shock I was just like the visuals the characters they're all there the direction I was you know on pins and needles I was very interested I was very hooked and you know the music of course when the avatar music hits it's like oh my gosh it's Like, Grrr! you know it's oh yeah, it's, the the chair did it for me it's like <laughs> but you know what i mean it is uh it, it's like a cathartic experience to see our favorite character go into that mode and it's just like really awesome from a visual standpoint now throughout most of the season um i I I had mixed feelings about our main character and her main decisions. And I was like, all right, all right, you know, I don't know about all this, if we need to do all this. Um, But ultimately, I liked where she ended up. I do feel like I've heard this called like the Empire Strikes Back of the series and i can kind of see it because at the end of this this is not exactly a happy ending without going to spoilers there's some pretty serious shit that goes down so um let me kind of uh discuss these episodes a little bit more in detail i'm not going to go quite as in depth as i said i would in the first one uh, or as the avatar series we did um but yeah season two episode one start with the chapter one rebel spirit um six months after the defeat of anon and the equalist korra believes she has mastered airbending mako works as a policeman bolin fares poorly in the pro bending with the new fair fire ferrets asami tries to keep the future industries intact i do feel like asami is overall not as uh in in she's not in this she, she has such a, sh- a strong background a strong st- story, and I, I wish she was in it more. Um, we're going to start talking about these more in depth. So if you haven't seen The Legend of Korra in depth in, uh Season 2, then prepare to learn, I guess. Uh, so Asami tries to keep the future industries intact. Um, Team Avatar joins Tenzin and his family To visit the Southern Water Tribe for their winter solstice Which I did not find the Southern Water Tribe That interesting throughout the majority of the season I was The one thing about This Korra season In comparison to the other seasons Where we're exploring all these new places Even exploring Republic City In um, Avatar I felt like we were going To place to place to place And I, I just was not interested in the Southern Water Tribe at all um, The festivities are disrupted by The rampage of a dark spirit, which neither Korra nor Tenzin can calm or repel. Unalak, Korra's uncle and the chief of the Northern Water Tribe, ultimately assures the spirit's anger with a spiritual form of waterbending. Despite the misgivings of her father, who has a strained relationship with his brother, uh, Korra uh, apprentices herself to Unalak to continue her spiritual development, rebuffering her previous mentor, Uh, Tenzin in the process so yeah I didn't really like how she treated uh Tenzin in this episode um but it does make a hundred percent sense why she would go with Unalak I mean no one else could contain the spirit monster animal thing and uh it just makes sense that she would need to learn this naturally if her father can't do it Tenzin can't do it then yeah maybe she should have finished with Tenzin and maybe not has been as big of a dick but you know she like I said I just think that um it would have been a lot better if everybody was on the same page as, yeah, Korra does need to learn how to, like, tame these motherfuckers. Um, let me see if there's anything I need to say about that. Uh, six months later, attacking ships, more world building, Korra tired as hell at Tenzin. Um the androgynous twins are introduced in this episode okay so this this was kind of interesting i don't remember seeing too many uh cartoon uh male and females looking the, uh, similar um just by changing like a little bit of the eye um eye liner length um so yeah we see a some beautiful architecture with regards to that ship i think it's veric ship is who who's uh, introduced at that point Then we got the Swami, you're fired, slowly backs out. And uh, Varick is bringing a much needed point of comedy that I think Bolin kind of tries to fill. But Bolin is not. He's kind of like. We're laughing at Bolin, but he's not the uh, comedic relief. Like, this guy is kind of sad, in my opinion. Um, Yeah, and so there's like this Marilyn Monroe type that's introduced. Ends up being like Bolin's girl. Um, let's see, boyfriend or slave, which is what uh, I think. Eska tells uh, Bolin at one point. It's like she's like it doesn't matter. It's the same thing. It's like oh god up in there. Um, so let me see what else we got. Still not crazy with about the name Naga, um, which Naga just completely and what is it Pobo? What I I forget what the Bolin's little um, animals called but anyways um, they get completely sidelined this season um let me see let me see so I love the visual wide shots of the town when the um, the spirit animal is dissolving I mean there is some beautiful cinematography in this it's just from the colors from the uh the scale uh like, this season really plays a lot with uh, scale, uh, um, more than most of the seasons. Let me see. Okay, so let's go to episode two. I don't want to be, hop on this too long. This is going to be a big one. Chapter two, The Southern Lights. Korra and company journey with Unalak and his children as uh, Desna and Aska to the South Pole, where Korra is to attempt to return the long-absent Southern Lights at Unalak's urging. When Korra learns that her father was once banished from the Northern Water Tribe for causing a spirit rampage that he and Tenzin were responsible for for secluding her in youth, she insists Tanrak return home and tensions grow, begin to grow between herself and Tenzin at the South Pole. Korra succeeds in returning with Southern Lights by opening a blocked spirit portal one of the gateways which allows access to the spirit world and regulates the flow of energy between two worlds returning to the pole chorus party discovers that northern water tribe have come to occupy the south at unalak's direction to initiate a reunification of the two tribes at the southern air temple janora is strongly drawn to the statues of the past avatars Particular that of her grandfather Aang and, and an unidentified carving of another ancient avatar. Um, so this is where we kind of get a little bit of the uh, backstory of with the Genora J- stuff. Maybe she has a lot more um, power in her than we can even imagine. But I'm just gonna kind of just fast forward to the end real quick about the Genora thing. The whole Genora thing. This this is spoilers for the end of season two. Um, the whole Genora thing. What the heck? Like, is she an angel or something like that? She comes in and saves Korra at the very end when she's fighting Unalak, um, when they're in the big, glowy stages of the Avatar states, and saves Korra, but, like, there's no explanation of what happens. She's just, like... She's in the spirit world with Tenzin and her family. And she's like, oh, Korra's in trouble. Something bad's going down. I gotta go drop a big beam of light. And I was just like, okay. Um, not gonna argue with that. But it's just like they just kind of made up these powers and didn't really care to explain too much about them. Maybe we'll get them in next season. But this was kind of the start of where we see uh, Janora having that ability to like have... Uh, a be in touch with the spirit world. Um, So, uh, they fix the darkness, they go to the south pole to fix the darkness, but ultimately they kind of bring more with them. Um, um, It it was kind of interesting to see that they were really sad to see that uh, the aunt and uncle were not airbenders. I think this was at the uh, air temple that they had went to. Um, Every storm Winter solstice connects the spirit world. Okay, so yeah, there's a winter solstice, the aligning of the planets. Um, let me see what else we got. The uh, love the flashback music, of course. Father, um, it sounds a lot like Game of Thrones, just with like this history that's going on and this uh, the violins playing. It sounds it sounds amazing. Um, the spirits are pissed about the forest um i don't know if he should have been banished he was protecting the town from what i can tell uh core's uh, father um so yeah very cool effect of the light in the sky and there's this strong feeling of authoritarianism i guess within her uh uncle within her uncle so uh number three i really don't think we should go through all these but yeah chapter three civil war part one as the southerners resist northern occupation unalak offers to protect the southern portal while korra opens its northern counterpart claiming that this will deepen the connection between humanity and the spirits and will will prevent further dark spirit attacks see about that eccentric southern tribe inventor and entrepreneur varic whose business suffers from unalak's blockade begins a revolt Korra prevents an abduction of Unalak by southern rebels as she tries to reconcile with her mother, Sina, in Tanrak. Unalak appears to arrest them for conspiring to assassinate him. At the Air Temple, Ikki appears, and Tenzin, Kaya, and Bumi search for a while recalling their childhood with their late father, Aang. I will say, most of that stuff with uh, Tenzin, Kaya, Bumi, and all of that—you know—kind of reconnecting with their father Aang, kind of just felt like rediscovering older stuff that didn't necessarily need to be explored in this specific episode. I really felt like we should have had, like, you know, got the g- ground running. And I, every time we were we were going over to the Tenzin Kaya Bumi relationship, I thought it was really emotional when it come came down to the the family dynamics i enjoyed it but from the pacing standpoint i was like pick it up people there's some crazy shit going on and we keep flashing over to Tenzin, Kai and Bumi and um i like those characters a lot and i just felt like they didn't quite know what to do with Tenzin in this season like they had JK but they didn't know what to do with <laughs> and it i was like ah um what did i have to say on this one um they need to open up the north portal bolin is being a bitch for his tw- for one of the twins <laughs> uh the tenzin and family relationship is fun to watch like i said her father's arrested um ton Rock, and this guy in the bear costume oh Varric, oh my gosh with his uh assistant like sitting on his ass or under his ass in the bear costume. I was like, this is some funny shit. Uh, I just remember he's always, uh, like yelling for his assistant, like, uh, Julie, like get your ass over here. Always trying to get like, get something done. Um, but anyways, that was, that was pretty damn funny. Um, yeah. Tenzin and his siblings argue They're somewhat jealous of Tenzin and his responsibilities as an airbender. Yeah. So they, they are jealous, but they also don't really want to have that responsibility. It's it's kind of like a win lose kind of thing. And Boomy, Bumi, Boomy's just crazy. Uh, let me see. Love the baby Appas. Very sweet scene between Boomy and his sister. A scene you wouldn't see in most cartoons, many kids' cartoons. So there's like, I guess like I said, there's some things that are happening with Tenzin and his family and this last couple episodes with them kind of on this retreat thing that I don't necessarily have a problem with because they lead to very touching scenes for a cartoon, like scenes you would normally, they probably would normally, um, put there. So it was, uh, yeah, it, it it was good to see that this kind of relationship can be, uh, done on, uh, animations, uh, quote unquote kids cartoon. Um, Bolin gets dressed up like Eska. That was pretty damn funny. Um, even this little man get dressed up too. The, uh, uncle betrayal is way more interesting than the spirits. So, yeah, there's this betrayal between the uncle and Tonrock. Un- Unalak and Tonrock. Is that between the, the two brothers' names? Um, the thing is... That is way There's always some brother betrayals and shit like that going on in Avatars forever. I mean, what was we have the the Fire Nation in the original Avatar? We have, uh, I think there's some water bending stuff. I there's a lot of like family betrayals in in the Avatar world. Whoops. Get comfortable. Um, but yeah, this is the and this is nonetheless. Of course, we got to have a betrayal from. Another family member. Um, let me see what else. Uh, oh, it was hilarious seeing Varric drive the boat in the bear costume. Like, dude, come on. Oh, my goodness. Uh, uh, let me see. Oh, and Bolin seeing his crazy girlfriend come after him when she's, like, flying over the uh, <laughs> over the water coming after him. He was like... <laughs> Like, she's, like, straight up about to <laughs> buck him up. And also, we get a picture of a young uh, Katara and family. Or a young Aang and family. young Katara and Aang family. I thought that was very nice. It's kind of like a very quick scene. We don't even get to look at it very long. Um, but, yeah. Let's uh hop on to episode five, and then we'll, we'll hop on to the end, last episode. Uh, chapter 5, The Peacekeepers. In Republic City, tensions between Southern and Northern Water Tribe rise The Southern Water Tribe Cultural Center is bombed. Mako, back in the police force, tries to track down the culprits while Varric produces anti-Northern propaganda. Movers, motion pictures. Um, starring Bolin. Or, not to... Uh, King of the South! Uh... Korra fails to persuade President Raiko to send troops in support of the Southern Rebellion. A conflicted Mako reveals Korra's plan to stubborn General Iroh to commit uh, the United Forces to the War of Raiko. Um, Korra sets off on a sea voyage to the Fire Nation to seek the Fire Lord's support, but is persuaded by Eska and Desna and eventually swallowing but is persuaded by Eska and Desna, and eventually swallowed by a gargantuan dark spirit. So this is kind of where things start to get a little bit crazy. You know, we have all this spirit shit. We have a lot of this uh, uh, propaganda, all this government bullshit. Like, the the cross the crossing of the spirit world and having all of this political intrigue in the back it's just like they don't blend together in my opinion they feel like oil water and oil trying to blend them together it's just like ah they are fundamentally two different things and i don't feel like they're quite they're they're juggling a lot of things at this point and um i don't the thing is I feel like we don't really get a feel for what the people of Republic city feel about these dark spirits. Like, are they a problem? Like I, I get the feeling that they're a problem from Korra, but like, it just seems like individual places that the spirits are attacking, but like, it was hard to tell from like a major standpoint of what these spirits really wanted. They just like running up and just destroying people's homes and, destroying people's ships and shit like that like it it didn't feel like there was a consistent message was, the spirits just wanted destruction and i was like i fundamentally don't even agree with that i i they needed to have a better motive in my opinion what is going on with the hair oh there we go okay so um let me see so there were a couple episodes in the middle with the first avatar one i believe this is episode episode seven okay i'm going to talk about these real quick because i'm i just feel like it's necessary no no the episodes in the middle of the first uh oh, sorry in in the middle of the season with the first avatar one i really enjoyed the visual aesthetic of the world and the way that it shows him growing and learning Becoming the Avatar. So. Let me see. This is episode 7. Chapter 7 beginnings part 1. While being heated by the fire sages. uh, Korra explores her past lives. And experiences the journey of Wan. The first Avatar who lived 10,000 years. At this time. Humans lived on the shells of. Giant lion turtles. To protect themselves from the spear. Wilds and other dangers from the spirit world that freely roam the physical world juan and his friends live in poverty and hunger under the ne- nepotistic family that rules his city as a form of protection that as a form of protection the lion turtles grant the power to bend the elements for a limited time when humans venture into the wilds after juan violates the prohibition against bringing his against bringing his bending into the city in order to steal food for his friends he is banished from the city but allowed to keep his fire bending he manages to survive by be, uh, befriending the spirits of the forest but 2 years later he sets out on a journey of exploration where he eventually encounters two powerful spirits battling each other one of the spirits asks juan for assistance for assistance When he is held down by the other, and Wan separates the two, while the spirit escapes the other spirit, Rava explains that she is the spirit of light and peace, and that the spirit Wan had inadvertently freed is Vatu, the spirit of darkness and war. Wan has inadvertently initiated an age of darkness for the world. No good deed undone, I guess, right? Sorry, no good deed goes unpunished. What is it? What is it? I don't know. I fucked it up. Anyways, um, yeah, I love the visual aesthetic of the, the the first Avatar world. Love the story of Juan. Uh, no complaints about that, really. Um, let's continue real quick. Juan discovers a second lion turtle inhabited by airbenders, but no sooner has he arrived than Vatu appears, turning other spirits dark and threatening to destroy the world. Determining to stop Vatu, Juan resolves to master additional elements with Rava's help and prepare for the harmonic convergence during during which Vatu... An increasingly weakened Rava will battle for the fate of the world. Wan and Rava fail to stop a bloody war initiated between the humans and spirits by Vatu. Arriving at the spirit southern spirit portal, Wan and Rava enter the spirit world and join battle against Vatu by having Rava temporarily inhibit Wan. The battle goes poorly when the harmonic convergence begins. Juan and Rava are able to fuse together permanently, becoming, therefore becoming the first avatar. After sealing Vatu in the Tree of Time, Juan convinces the spirits to return to the world and seal the portals, becoming the, becoming the bridge between the two worlds himself. Years later, a dying wand lays on the smoldering uh, battlefield and apologizes to Rava for not bringing peace to the world. But Rava assures him that the journey has only just begun, and that they will live many lives together in the Avatar cycle of reincarnation. Korra awakens memories restored. And leaves the island intent on stopping Unolak's plans, whatever they may be for the next harmonic convergence, which is nine week a mere nine weeks away. Sorry, which is a mere which is mere weeks away. Um, just real quick, Mako and Korra broke up before she left to go do all this spirit world shit because she was pissed that Mako had sold her out to the police, I believe. Which fuck Mako for that. He needs to get it for that um but i did feel like asami and mako should have come back together for that um but after that finding out all about the previous avatars and how they were actually created is very interesting i mean it's uh giving us light that i don't even think the original avatar uh last airbender series even covered so it feels like we're going deep deep in this history all right so Let's hop on to the last episode. Um, You know how these last couple episodes normally air on the same uh, day. The 22nd looks like this was the last two. So we'll treat episodes 13 and 14 together. Chapter 13, Darkness Falls. Korra tries to imprison Vatu while Mako and Bolin attempt to keep Unalak out of the spirit world with help of with help from Desna and Eska, Unalaq overpowers Mako and Bolin, ambushes Korra, and merges with Vatu, becoming the Dark Avatar. Korra and Unalaq then battle each other in their retrospective Avatar states in the Spirit World. Tenzin and his spirit, uh, and his sorry, and his siblings come across Iroh. I was like, yes, Iroh! Uncle Iroh! um, who indicates how to find Genora. Uh, the siblings then venture into the fog of the lost souls, which I thought was a cool concept, but then which drives humans mad which drives humans mad with their self doubt. Kaya and Bumi quickly succumb to the fog and Tenzin nearly does as well, but is visited by a vision of Aang by whose advice Tenzin temporarily clears the fog and frees his relatives, accepts his destiny as separate from that of his father. For the first time of his life which was tenzin's problem the entire season he just always felt like he needed to be aang essentially and he does he doesn't need to be hang he needs to be tenzin um mako and bolin convince eska and desna to free them but are unable to render aid in core in time to or to aura to cora in time vatsu tears rava his other half out of Korra and Unalak severs her connection with their past lives. I hated seeing that. I was like, no, Juan, no, no, Avatar, no, Aang, no, all of their favorite guys. That I kind of forgot their name, but you know, all the Avatars I was like, no! Um, So that was sad seeing all that happen. Um, Unalak severs her connection with their past lives. Janora spiritually senses the destruction of Rava and goes to help unalog transforms into unavatu the strongest and enormously powerful dark spirit and departs into the physical world determined to destroy it and remake it in a fashion of his own choosing um so this is where we see like this fucking monster i mean he is no longer the uncle of desna and eska uh, or sorry father of desna and eska and i think korra pretty much says that Um, You know, once he merges he's buffed up. He is just on this next level. You can't tell him nothing Chapter 14 light in the dark Tenzin and his siblings find Korra and her friends wounded and unconscious once healed by Kaya Korra states that with Rava gone the cycle is over and now she and she is now likely the last avatar. Unavatu attacks Republic City. During the attack, Varic escapes prison like the damn Joker. And the spirit world, Tenzin leads Korra to the Tree of Time and tells her to meditate with it. As she meditates, Korra unlocks previously untapped spiritual potential and teleports to Republic City to discover a fragment of Rava within Vatu. The spirits of light and dark cannot exist without each other, and one will always regrow with, from within the other. Janora's spirit illuminates the fragment, and Korra's, Korra withdraws Rava and purifies Unavatu, killing Unalak and defeating Vatu. Tenzin, Kaya, Bumi, Mako, Bolin, Deza, and Eska defend Korra's body from attacking dark spirits. Korra and Ravad return and use Harmonic Convergence to remerge the Avatar, re- to remerge, The Avatar spirit is reformed, but Korra's link to the previous Avatars appears to remain lost. After deep contemplation, Korra decides to leave the spirit portals, open believing that the spirits and humans can find a way to coexist and should be allowed the chance. She also declares the Southern Water Tribe to now be independent from the North as its own state. Korra and Mako, in their relationship, but pledge to remain friends, Korra declares that the world has entered a new age. And that is the end of Book 2. Spirits. So, yeah, like I said that whole last two episodes they're kind of they, the avatar and the Korra series like to do these last two episodes kind of all as in one um they were very eye capturing i let me see if i can get these uh the looks of what these things were let me see uh Legend of to cora season two um yeah th- just this was fucking crazy to watch this like little battle with cora Being absolute fucking massive and then whooping like the ass of Unalak and kind of just like ripping, ripping, and uh, uh, ripping him to shreds. Um, yeah, very cool. I guess the only thing was like just seeing like these ghostly spiritual things like punch and stuff. It's just like, is that really what they would be doing? They just straight bah, (laughs) like, okay. Um and then we have Janora coming in here with uh you know Spirit Janora. I I've thought about this several times and it feels like Janora probably should have been a sacrifice in this, and they might have written this at one point to have Janora actually die because it feels like she's like sacrificing herself as you know, I mean she's in a Jesus pose right there. She's in like an angelic pose that would uh symbolize uh probably her being dead so it's just like there feels like a lot happens in this season but also there's not much that is lost and in the first season we have such great characters especially with toff's daughter and stuff like that and having all these amazing action scenes that do make sense and these characters whose uh, actions make sense Um, having this dark avatar, it's like, okay, I'm willing to kind of, like, I guess I'll entertain that, but when it came down to, like, the fact of these ghosts attacking, these spirits attacking, I was just like, I don't know about all this. I mean, uh, the visuals, obviously, are are some of the coolest things I've seen, um, you know, with regards of the the Vatu, Unavatu character, his, like, final form or whatever the fuck he's doing, but ultimately... I just uh you know it became way more of a a show than a show of like moments. This this season felt like way more about moments than it did about um the actual story. Like I I felt like the story was like the powers or the subsets that you whatever you need them to be at this point. Um but yeah, I I really enjoyed uh avatar season two liked it didn't love it like I love the first season so let's see what season three has for us um but yeah that that pretty much does it for uh season two I hope we get a uh, I hope we get a little bit more into the spirit world the only spirit world stuff that I really enjoy is the stuff that was past connections with the previous avatars I feel like those are the strongest just keep on uh you know, talking about them. I, I think those are the most important to, uh, to cover. Um, but yeah, so that is Cora Season 2. To support the podcast, paypal.me slash podcast, Comments, questions, concerns, email Luggedal podcast at gmail.com, Twitter at Luggedal podcast, Facebook, Twitch, Instagram, all the fun social medias, in the link below or to the side or wherever, whatever the podcast provider you're listening or watching on is providing it on. If you uh, if you want it live, get it Twitch. If you want it early, get it YouTube. If you want it mastered, get the SoundCloud. So you know what to do. All right. Tickadees, ease And like I said, oh, sorry, I, I, I always forget to say, there's just not enough oppa. Need more oppa. So yip yep and take it easy.